Today on the wrestling podcast about nothing, we're trucking through the territories. And our next stop, Indianapolis, Indiana, for Dick the Bruiser's home promotion, the World Wrestling Association. Well, you know, uh, me and uh, the Beer City Bruiser have been called the new Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher, so this seems appropriate, Mike. Well, I've been calling you Dick for a long time. Then, your promo about nothing and so much more, but first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 162, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crock, and I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now, he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition, one half of the bouncers. He's the brawler, Brian Malonis. Wow, you finally got it right, Mike, huh? Yeah, what do you think, Brawl Daddy? <laughs> you piece of garbage. What? <laughs> It's going to stick. It's going to stick. Come on, Brawl yeah, Daddy. Well, let's let's hope not. <laughs> so how you feeling? Like a million bucks, Mike. Like a million bucks. Well, that's good. Uh, so- actually, at this point, by the time this drops, I'm probably going to be, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm probably all sorts of uh, tired and uh, being on the, in the Pacific West Coast for four days. Yeah, we are recording a little early this week because you're off to the Pacific Northwest. You're going to be have your first matches in Washington State and Oregon, correct? That's correct. Or Oregon or Oregon, Mike? I believe it's Oregon. That's what I say, too. If you're an Oregonian or Oregonian, hmm. what is an yeah. Oregon person called? An Oregonite? Sure. Or An organism? Oh, that'd be nice. There you go. So, Brian, any feedback on last week's show? <laughs> uh you know there's a little here and there okay just uh figured i'd ask Ugh. <laughs> great show last week with julian star and tarzan taylor and they are joining the podcasting ranks who knew it would end decades long friendships huh oh boy it's over uh, you'll have to ask that person oh that person we don't uh use his, his oh we can't no we can't uh you can't use the name on this podcast okay okay brian we're just gonna dig ourselves in a deeper hole here. i just want unity I don't give a shit anymore i want unity in the podcasting world we got uh you and ity uh, yes ity we got julian and tarzan joining the ranks with truth justice and the new england pro wrestling way and of course our old friends on uh for the pops and let the chaos begin of course everyone's a big happy family why are we, why are we giving them plugs Brian, it's good content. I enjoy it. Well, good for you. Okay. Uh, Brian, how is the store looking at BrianMalonis.com? It's looking lovely that the Brawler Malonis shirt is up and ready for order. Really? Okay. So you can order the modified Mastodon design with the new Brawler Malonis written across the bottom. That's right. How about that, huh? So uh, something new up there. Hopefully more new stuff to come, but we'll see. 
And you got the Kingpin shirt, which uh, will not be up there much longer. So it'll be a collector's item very soon. Get it while it lasts. The uh, old Kingpin design. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be coming down uh, by the end of June. Okay, so get right on that, folks. Plus the Mega Malona shirt and, of course, the centerpiece of BrianMalonis.com, the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt, the official t-shirt of the wrestling podcast about nothing. You can pick that up as well there at BrianMalonis.com. You can also find a link to BrianMalonis.com through our website, the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. You can find ways to subscribe to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. All the different podcast platforms are all listed right there. You can just click and subscribe on your favorite, including Spotify. We are on Spotify. Plus, all the social media links are there. Uh, We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms to make it easy for you. And also, there are bios for yourself and myself, Brian, and uh photographs and we've talked about this before hidden photographs so you have to go to the website the wpan.com if you want to find the hidden nudes right yeah how about that one of you in the uh in the great american challenge wait what is the great american challenge again (laughs) well you know people have to look it up (laughs) that's going back to the old days of the uh the (laughs) factory we worked at correct yes exactly are we allowed to talk about that (laughs) that might be contraband too Brian, what? Let's let's take it easy. Come on, we're just talking about uh, nudity. Let's let's. Uh, you let's you talk were very about... diplomatic in that text uh, group a couple days ago, huh? Yeah, we could all find a way to reap the rewards of this little uh, back and forth. I was very level-headed, huh? In that exchange. <laughs> yeah, as you tend to be, Brian. It's a uh, ready-fire aim with the kingpin <laughs> or with the brawler by Malonis. I think in this tech, this infamous text message exchange now, you can probably uh, see the elevation <laughs> in me for when I go through from zero to 60 in it. Yes, I do see. Yes, uh, I'm effing hot is what you start saying. You, you know what you should do? You just learn to put the phone down and walk away for a little bit. Well, you know. Go take a walk. I don't like nonsense, Mike. I don't like nonsense. Go to the water bubbler and get a nice... Uh, Nice refreshing beverage? Yeah, for yourself. Yeah, enjoy that and then <laughs> reflect and then maybe respond. Nah, react in the moment. <laughs> That's what you Live do Live in best. the moment, Mike. Live in the moment, baby. That's what you were taught at the uh, Chaotic Training Center, right? Don't act, <laughs> I'm react. I'm not allowed to talk about my time at the Chaotic Training Center anymore. <laughs> you no, know, you can't talk about that either? Not banned. <laughs> I'm banned. Oh <laughs> you vant. my goodness all right well what are we going to talk about then oh, okay we got a truck and through the territories to get to but first i just want to mention one more time the survey let us know what you think of the wrestling podcast about nothing and give us a little information about yourself so we know who we're talking to out there just go to tinyurl.com slash wpan survey it'll take about five or ten minutes of your time it'll go a long way to helping us make the best wpan we possibly can and it's completely anonymous so just let us have it tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey and Brian you're all over the place you're you're taking over the airways you're going to the Pacific Northwest you'll be back by the time we drop this podcast no I no, I will not be Mike oh you won't be back no I don't get back till I don't get back I guess technically till Tuesday but it'd be like midnight uh, I, I land at like midnight Monday night into Tuesday <laughs> really I just assumed it was the early morning flight as you've discussed in the past on this show Usually it is, but uh, not this time around. You getting to enjoy, would it be Oregon? 
Yeah, I actually get a. It's I'm pretty excited. We'll get to enjoy uh, about a day and a half in Seattle. I think uh, by this time, again, by the time this airs, a, a large contingent of the ROH crew will have gone to Safeco Field, site of WrestleMania 19, and home to the Seattle Mariners. Are oh, you going to go see, catch a game? Yeah, catch a ball game. That's excellent. Peanuts and Cracker Jacks and fat pants. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to go to a baseball game with the brawler, the bruiser, and fat pants? Wow, that's Americana right there. <laughs> a little Americana. If you will. Uh, so, Brian, we are trucking for, for, through the territories. Once again, last time we are in Detroit. This time we go right next door to Indianapolis, Indiana for... Hey, Mike? What? Mike, I got to tell you, buddy. Um, for, this, for this road trip here that we're about to take... Yes. Uh... Jesus, I hope I hope we have some caffeine because uh, if not, uh, yours truly is going to be driving off the side of the road, just just face down in the steering wheel, snoring my my, my ass off. Uh, let's hope we don't uh, get a flat and have to stay in Indianapolis for a while. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! The World Wrestling Alliance. It was an Indianapolis-based promotion. It was operated by. Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder, who we see both of these men here on this show coming up. We'll get into that. It was associated with the AWA and recognized their champions. And we'll see a guy who is a mainstay in the AWA in the main event of this show tonight. And they recognize the AWA champions, but they also have their own champions. So this promotion developed wrestlers such as Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's where Bobby Heenan came to prominence. And, uh... Scott Steiner, years later, actually got his start in the WWE, believe it or not. Around all these fat asses. <laughs> yes. Under his real name, Scott Rex Steiner. So uh, WWE closed down in 1989. So I guess just before they closed down, This Scott place lasted Steiner. seven years after this? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. You know, that may be the most shocking news I've heard all day. <laughs> yes, because, you know, the mid-80s, Vince was buying everybody up. Bruiser, they held out until 89. You did actually see Dick the Bruiser in the WWF. I remember seeing promos with Dick the Bruiser against the WWF backdrop with, uh, if it was either Gene Okerlund or Ken Resnick. But uh, they did uh, eventually, Dick the Bruiser eventually ended up at least part-time in the WWF. But in 89, they stopped promoting matches completely, the WWA. Uh, but Brian, we are going to watch an episode of WWA All-Star Championship Wrestling from July 10th, 1982. This is available on YouTube. We will share the link in the description of this episode. July 10th, 1982. And we open with backstage shots of uh, a wrestler or wrestlers preparing for the night. It's shot pretty well, especially for 1982. Um, the lighting is good. You see people, you know, putting their boots on. They're zipping up their gear. And, and you hear, like, the sound effects, too, of lockers closing. You hear a zipper sound effect. And you hear uh, someone puts Velcro across the front of their boot. And, Brian, I, I hate that sound, Velcro. Really? It's the tearing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is probably not going to be the last Morty Seinfeld reference in this episode, by the way. (laughs) Well, speaking of, I I think I know where you're going with that because the announcer, the uh, ringside commentator, is a man by the name of Sam Meneker. And 
like if you squint your eyes, he's vaguely a gorilla monsoon like. He's kind of uh, balding on top. He's stocky. He's got the big glasses, but the very Morty Seinfeld like those glasses. Yes, those Morty <laughs> Seinfeld Harry Carey like glasses that are just like take over the man's face. I was waiting for Kramer to come in and uh, tap on him. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Meneker, just uh, a bundle of energy, isn't he not? <laughs> the most monotone fella I think I've ever heard. It's not the first time actually we've heard his voice on the wrestling podcast about nothing. We did a pro about nothing quite a while ago, and we actually replayed it like uh, a month ago with uh, Sam Meneker backstage interviewing Tiny Hampton who we will talk about a little later on. But yeah, Meneker, we commented at the time, I think, that he just seemed like he walked in off the street and grabbed a microphone. He doesn't seem like the normal rah-rah, sispumba type of uh, announcer here. He's very dry, doesn't really yell and scream, very monotone almost in his delivery. He fits in nicely with the motif. <laughs> I suppose you're correct. I suppose you're right. Uh, so he uh, comes on screen right after the open and says, "Hi, I'm Sam Meneker. We'll be right back." Essentially, is very very quick. <laughs> we got some matches. We'll see you after the break. And they come back, and the first match up here on WWE All Star Championship Wrestling, Jose Alicia versus Chief Bobby Bold Eagle. Household names. <laughs> yes, and the ring announcer is a man by the name of Robert Beach, and he is called by Sam Meneker the golden voice of wrestling announcing. So, of course, as soon as he announces Chief Bobby Bulldeagle, his voice cracks. <laughs> Chief Bobby Bulldeagle, says the golden voice of wrestling announcing Robert Beach. Uh, we'll hear from Robert Beach throughout the show because he is sitting next to Sam Meneker. So Sam is in, hey, Bob, what do you think of this? Bob, what do you think of that? That is the ring announcer for this uh, show, Robert Beach. So Bobby Bulldeagle, of course, in full Native American garb out there. And Jose Alicia is just a guy. Yeah. So I got a question about uh, Bobby Boy here. Bobby Boy. Was he wearing long tights under his trunks or were his legs painted? I legitimately could not tell the entire time. I went back and forth probably 10 or 12 times like, I think those are pants. No, wait, those are his legs. I legitimately could not tell. I'm going back and looking right now and it looks like it might be paint if I'm, if I'm being honest here. Of course, the... Picture quality, not the greatest. There was some jumpiness at times, and I mean, it's not perfect. Of course, it's standard definition. So, I think it 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 might be. Oh, now I'm now I'm seeing perhaps <laughs> some wrinkles in it. That, yes. that is, <laughs> yeah, the, like reappearing and and disappearing wrinkles. I am going back and forth on it, just like you were apparently at the time. And to be fair, this gentleman is probably ninety seven years old at the time of this match. So. Uh, I think there are some people on this card that are even older, but uh, yeah, he he is not a young man. He's no spring chicken, as they say. Um, So yes, this is a baby baby match, and that's the perfect way, I guess, to start out a wrestling card (laughs) on on TV is to have two baby faces. I know when we were doing uh, stuff for a a promotion, I'm not sure we can name Brian, uh, that baby baby matches, especially in the opener, was were tough, right? Yeah, I mean they're they are tough in uh, in general. In general, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it, you know in the opening match, it's it's you know you, you look for I guess the more traditional 
especially this era, like, you know, good guy, bad guy type of uh, setup here. But, I mean, I, I I legitimately couldn't tell if somebody was supposed to be a heel or, or what. I mean. All night, right? Yeah, it wasn't like anything actually even happened in this match that you could even begin to distinguish that. Well, they did start the match with a handshake. That's the only way I really was able to tell. That's great. Good for them. So at one point, Menneker goes to the ring announcer, Robert Beach, Bob, as Sam calls him. He says, uh, oh, that guy, he does that very well, doesn't he, Bob? And Bob answers, very well, very well. He's... And there's dead silence, nothing. He, he starts a <laughs> sentence and just never completes it, and Sam just moves on. He's got the golden voice, but really nothing going on upstairs, I think, Brian. <laughs> Maybe not. Hey, hey, Mike, what do you make of this referee... Uh... Just constantly being in the way in this match, by the way. Well, his name is Connie Marker. Uh, he's the Dean of Referees, as, uh, announced of referees. By, as announced by Robert Beach. Yes, the Dean of Referees, Connie Marker. And yeah, he was all over the place. And we'll talk about the refereeing a little later on as we get to the, the finish here, because uh, I'm still confused. Uh, <laughs> so there's a head scissor spot that goes on for quite a while. And the head scissors applied by Jose Alicia very loosely. I mean, the feet weren't <laughs> crossed at all. At one point, you actually see Bobby Bold Eagle actually adjust Jose Alicia's feet <laughs> to make it tighter around his neck. Well, you had to help him out a little bit. <laughs> he did. He did. The uh, KG veteran, the KG 90-year-old veteran, Bobby Bold Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bold Eagle escapes and we get a side headlock takeover. And Alicia at one point goes to roll Bold Eagle over for a cradle pin, and apparently they roll right onto the referee. This uh, the aforementioned Connie Marker, which we can kind of see, but the picture is a bit jumpy, so we can't. But Sam Edgar is like, ah, oh, he almost pinned uh, Connie Marker there, the referee. This sends Sam Edgar on this whole jag about Connie, saying that he is a. Uh, proud of his greek heritage and brian he's known as the golden greek <laughs> how many golden greeks do you think there's been in the history of pro wrestling what about 85 or so there's only one in my heart brian <laughs> mine too alex arian uh, from the home record podcast i should mention so sam also says uh he's a very nice person <laughs> connie marker <laughs> I don't know why that hit me funny, but uh, hey, you know what? He's in the way. He's a shit ref, but he, hey, he's a nice person. Is that, is that like the equivalent of uh, when, a, when a guy's a lousy wrestler? Ah, you know, he's a nice guy. Yeah, it's the, the Owen Hart uh, quote when asked how Dan Severn was in the ring. He's a very nice guy. No, how, how, how is he as a wrestler? He's a very nice guy. <laughs> um, so what do you think about the crowd? on this uh, TV show here for WWA. I thought they were like mute. I thought they were like just, I don't know. Like they, uh, At least, uh, you know, I, I, maybe it was my TV. I don't know. They sounded, well, there was nothing to get excited about first off in these matches. Like, I, I mean, you're not going to get up out of your seat for 14 minutes of, of loose head scissors. Yes, there's just real, yeah. Uh, they're just kind of like murmuring the entire time. There's just kind of like, there's like a, a general chatter that you hear, but, absolutely positively no pops for anything especially in this match just no reaction to anything happening in this match a lot of this mike <laughs> <laughs> i mean this was this was snooze fest city baby 
<laughs> she got a t-shirt made with that. Snooze Fest City. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, Jose Alicia, back to his scissors. This time a body scissors by Jose. And Bobby Bulldeagle escapes by pulling him up off the mat and forearming him back down. And then somehow Alicia ends up back on top and hits two big beals out of each corner to absolutely, like, again, no pop. How bad were these bumps, by the way? Kind of rough. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I, I, like I, I'd call this a backyard match, but that might be insulting backyarders, man. Like, <laughs> at least backyarders have maybe have, like, some semblance of athleticism. I mean, even when um, – uh, I forgot his name already. Uh, not not, not uh, Bobby, our boy. The Jose other, other fella. Yes, Jose. Thank you. When he comes off the ropes and like takes like a clothesline or something, he does like the new kid first time you've ever bumped off a clothesline bump where he like runs through it and then jumps up in the air and throws himself on the ground. Well, <laughs> I think I'd be thinking of the finish. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I think it actually was the finish. Yes, where Bobby Bulldeagle, Bobby Bulldeagle sends him off the ropes and hits what Sam Menneker calls a double crossover tomahawk chop. <laughs> which he just like maybe basically crosses his hands and like pushes them towards his chest and he takes yeah this awful delayed bump onto his back and referee Connie Marker comes over and counts one, two, three, four. <laughs> he counts to four. I watched this a few times and he counts literally to four. At one point they talk about uh, Sam Medica goes on and on about how they have the fastest refs. So maybe it was a three count, but it was so fast it seemed like four. <laughs> but no, I counted four. And I think I realized what happened. I think when he goes down to the mat, he hits like it's one, which uh, gives me flashbacks to... The JT Frank special. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually gives me flashbacks to uh, Ring of Honor, where I did that same spot with uh, Matt Seidel and blew his one big uh, false finish. <laughs> Bring back flashbacks, Mike. You okay over there? Yeah, very uh, warm memories, Brian. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the immediate aftermath of this match. You get the four count, and the match is over, but Jose Alicia pops right up and grabs Bobby Bold Eagle in a front face lock. <laughs> well, what else are you going to do after you lose a match? I mean, dude, you were just pinned for a four count. Not even a three count, a four count. <laughs> He's very disorientated, Mike. <laughs> I guess he is. But uh, yeah, this is that was very strange. Very strange ending to the match. And of course, they cut away from him immediately. Sam says, we have some messages for you and interviews and then another match. So please stand by. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, just a wordsmith here. Uh, so we go to Mr. Menneker in the locker room talking about the card coming up to the air-cooled <laughs> Lanfear High School gym in Springfield. Yes, that's. I mean, that's a big selling point, air-cooled. Yes. So the main event of this card will be Dick the Bruiser and Pat O'Connor versus The Sheik and Abdullah, Brian. No, not Abdullah? No, Abdullah. This is how Sam Menneker referred to him the entire episode. Abdullah the Butcher. No, 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 no not even Abdullah the Butcher. Excuse me. This yeah, is Abdullah not- the Great. Yeah, this is uh, poor man's Abdullah. <laughs> yes. And also we hear that Gilbert Guerrero will be on the card against Bobby Bulldeagle. And uh, Gilbert, no relation to the Guerrero family, I'm told. Well, now you know why the air cooled was a big selling point after hearing some of the matches. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we go back to the ring, Brian, for Reverend Tiny Hampton with gentleman Jimmy or er, er, Jerry Valiant, the ring announcer almost calls him Jimmy instead of Jerry, versus the one and only Ox Baker. That's our next matchup here on All Star Championship Wrestling. Brian, we've been around Ox Baker. We were on Ox Baker a bunch. She lived in this area for a while and was always at shows locally. How much Ox Baker wrestling have you actually seen? Um, I've probably seen a, a match here or there. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely I have way more exposure to Ox Baker uh, as my manager than I do his actual wrestling career. Yes, he actually managed the career. You were Ox Baker's executioner, correct? I was as part of Ox Baker's evil army. And you wore pantyhose in your head, right? <laughs> that I did. Ox couldn't afford me a mask, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, times were tough, Bride. Yeah. So. Ox Ox was a was a maniac. And I, I you know, I don't know how well the the you know, fans at home or how familiar fans at home are with Ox, but like in like real life, Ox was kind of a kind of a maniac. An absolute sweetheart of a man, but uh just an absolute lunatic. <laughs> so what, something like he didn't really turn it off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think he was always just sort of crazy, and he was like he was like you know like the old guy saying weird shit all the time, <laughs> <laughs> telling weird stories. Well, uh, here he is having weird wrestling matches, Brian. <laughs> yes, he is. And uh, the referee of this match is Bill Beach, who I assume is related to the ring announcer Robert Beach. Uh, it's a family affair here at WWA, and Mr. Beach. Reffing in white pants, which is always frowned upon by me. <laughs> what if you, yeah, what if you have a wet fart or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you wear those black undies, right? I mean, to exactly. Hide any poop. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons, Brian. Uh, so Sam says there's some delay inside of this match. And then the referee checks both guys, so the delay is the referee, basically, Billy Beach. Tiny Hampton has a crutch, and Sam isn't sure if he has an injury or not, but if he does, Mr. Medicker says he's very brave for wrestling in this match. Yeah, yeah well, it's, uh, I feel like it was like the Bob Orton cast kind of gag, but like with a crutch. But not really, because then Bob Beach, the ring announcer, pipes up and says that one ankle definitely looks bigger than the other. So this is this is definitely on the level. This is legit. He's hurt. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> so the heel is a brave soul to get in the ring here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was a little thrown off too by Ox being the baby face. Yes, Ox got a big pop upon his uh his introduction. Probably the only pop of this match. <laughs> so Do you think uh by the way, do you think Tiny Hampton uh Bears a striking resemblance to Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. Uh, more than slight, yes. <laughs> He's got a couple feet on him, but uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. it's his dad. <laughs> it very well could be. Uh, Lester, I believe, is Beetlejuice's real name, so maybe he's Lester Hampton. I'm not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> so uh, early what's on, why is this guy a reverend, by the way? <laughs> like, yeah, there's really just, no. Yeah, indication. he wears like a fucking cowboy hat later on when we see him. Like he's, you know, and he's just in like a black singlet and black pants, like playing no sort of character or anything. 
and we know from the promo about nothing in the past that he has absolutely no rap. He is not at all a good talker. So uh, there's really no reason why he is called the Reverend, but he is. So, uh, yes, Ox Baker, the babyface here. Jerry Valiant has the crutch, uh, has a... Hampton's crutch on the outside, and at one point, Ox is in the ropes with uh, the Reverend, and Jerry Valiant kind of jabs the crutch into the side of Ox, out of the side of the referee, which was nicely done, but Ox kind of stumbles back and sells his side, and Hampton takes over momentarily, but Ox gets back on top. Brian, a lot of clubbering in this match, as the late Dusty Rhodes would say. I was going to say, there's there's really no actual wrestling. It's just a bunch of... Yeah, clubbing, I guess. Clubbing blows, stomps, and ceremonial salt. <laughs> why? Well, why wouldn't you? Because not only does he have the crutch, uh, Jerry Valiant hands Reverend Hampton the uh, the powder. He throws it, knocks his face, while Valiant distracts the white pants ref. So we have the crutch, we have the powder, and he's got this thing on his finger that's taped up. Sam Edgar is claiming he's hitting him in the throat all the time, so just cheating everywhere you can look. Well, he's a heel, Mike. He's a heel. He certainly is. He's really getting that point across. Something to be said, Brian, for picking your spots, having one spot where you do something dastardly, and that's it. Just battering this guy with 12 different foreign objects in the course of five minutes. I don't know if that does anything for anybody. It didn't do anything for this fan base, I'll tell you that much. They were... uh, just continuing to talk amongst themselves, really paying very little attention, very little fanfare uh, for this matchup. Hey, Mike, how would you describe uh, the selling that Oxbaker is is doing? Uh, like swatting away a fly. <laughs> what about his head? Anything? What his head? Did you notice? No, I didn't. Really, a lot of a lot of head bobbing. A lot of like just uh, very exaggerated like. Like head bobbing and and like night at the Roxbury kind of stuff, like just really bad like Ox. You can tell Ox worked his entire career as a heel and is not used to selling as a babyface. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, a lot of clubbing and a lot of brawling. This is right in your wheelhouse, then, Brian. Here's the oh, brawler. Yeah, of course. Well, I, I learned he was a mentor of mine, Mike. That is true. That is true. We've established that. So uh, yeah, this. This is no fun, Brian. No, this this is fucking... I don't know why you picked this episode, but it's terrible. It's really bad. So the finish here, Ox ends up on the apron of the ring, and he pulls Reverend Hampton over kind of a little too easily, and they're both on the apron momentarily. Ox goes around the post, gets back in the ring. Reverend Hampton does not get back in the ring. He still remains on the apron. It is a count-out win, for the Ox, as Sam calls him, Ox Baker. So this match mercifully ends with a count-out win for the Ox. Yeah, and this is uh, the non-finish is going to start to be a theme on the show. <laughs> How many stars, Brian, do you give this one? Uh, negative four. Wow, wow. <laughs> Good gravy. All right. Yes, so- I mean, yeah, this, I mean, just nothing. I mean, I, I, you know what? It's the thing of it is, Mike, like, I don't even know that these matches are bad. They're just there's nothing that happens in any of them. No, yeah, it's just basically back and forth. It's perfect for the wrestling podcast about nothing because these matches are nothing. There's nothing, <laughs> literally nothing. Nothing happening. Uh, so we'll do our best as we continue on here. Sam is backstage now with young Spike Huber. 
Spike Uber has charisma for days. Right. <laughs> yes, he is uh, very Jumpin' Jeff Farmer-esque. I was just going to say, he reminded <laughs> me of Jumping Jeff Farmer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is not a good thing. <laughs> no, it is not a good thing. Uh, but there's nothing memorable about this promo, unlike uh, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. No, it's just very... Uh, he talks about all the things that... Uh, Tiny Hampton has done to uh, you know other people, and he can't stand for it no more. No, he is uh, bland babyface number 23, and he says uh, Springfield is his hometown. Well, well, Indianapolis is his actual hometown, but Springfield is like a second home. So he's <laughs> trying to bring Springfield on board with him before the big All card right. tonight. All right, Springfield. So uh, then we go to Jerry Valiant with the great Abdullah. <laughs> And I love, I love the great Abdullah or Abdullah the Great or whatever the hell he is, doing his best at you know Abdullah the Butcher impersonation with the eyes in the background. Yes, and you can kind of get away with this a little more back in this day, nineteen eighty two. I mean, cable is in its very infancy, so you're not seeing other promotions from around the world. So you can find out about guys like, oh, this guy Abdullah the Butcher. Let's do something similar over here and just kind of rip it off. The people got away with that a lot more back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's in Springfield, Illinois, Abdullah the Great is is the original. Well, people got away with that in the late 90s. I remember I remember Mike Sparta's shows where he would advertise the man from the dark side, The Undertaker. <laughs> Brian Lee, And maybe? it was Brian Lee, yes. Exactly. He's not wrong. <laughs> he was a Undertaker, just not yeah. The Undertaker. Exactly. <laughs> Boy, that would have been a better way to put it, huh? He's a Undertaker. <laughs> Boy, maybe, maybe independent promotions should, uh, should do that, and then the person could actually dress like an actual Undertaker, you know? That would draw a couple people, right? At least once. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, it's like the old John Cena senior trick, you know? You put the senior in little letters. But you put Undertaker and, uh, you know, you put A, you know, very little. A, yes. Undertaker. <laughs> a, Undertaker. So Jerry Valiant with the great Abdullah. And the close of this promo is something that really is a sight to behold, where Jerry Valiant says... The Sheik and Abdullah will give you the wrestling lesson of your life. Pause, pause. They will do it. <laughs> That's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, it's like the Sam Menneker didn't pull the microphone soon enough. So he's just like, uh, they will do it. All right. <laughs> Not a strong ending for the gentleman, Jerry Valiant. Again, it's a common theme on the show. <laughs> exactly. Not a lot of strong finishes here in the WWA. So we move on to the Hooded Hangman. And he is seconded by Reverend Tidy Hampton, who's all over this freaking show for crying yeah, out loud. what is the deal with this? So this guy has a manager and he is a manager? <laughs> Apparently. It's so uh, confused. Very incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the hooded hangman with Tiny Hampton versus the world's most scientific wrestler, Wilbur Snyder, who we mentioned before is half owner of the WWA. And 104 years old at the time of this match. I actually looked this up. I wanted to know how old this guy was. He was born in 1929. I... I you sure he wasn't born in 1829? <laughs> he was 52 years old. So he's half the, uh, he's half what you predicted. He's only 52 in this match? Yes. Wow. I, I would have guessed, I would have guessed at least 60. He still looked good. He was tanned. He had the bleach blonde hair. He looked like an old, an old man. <laughs> 
Do you know what Wilbur Snyder's claim to fame was? I have no clue. He was the inventor of the abdominal stretch. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Razor Ramon owes him a big debt of gratitude. Are you sure he didn't coin the phrase, pardon my French? <laughs> <laughs> and no, and he also was not uh, the man who coined the phrase, uh, the blank from hell. So <laughs> This might be the match from hell, though, Brian. This might be the show from hell. Good God. <laughs> so uh, Sam says, uh, boy, that Wilbur, he's really great. <laughs> Just, just like oh, that. Exactly like that. His, uh, he knows where his bread is buttered, buddy. Yes. Maybe put an exclamation point at the end of that sentence, but no, it's just, he's really great. <laughs> well, you know, he doesn't want to seem like a total kiss-ass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, the hooded hangman was... Is this Adam Page, you think? Is this Adam Page, you think? Or I don't think so. Maybe his... No, it's not his dad. It is Robin Wiseman. Oh. Also known as the Big Wiz. <laughs> I'm the whiz. He's the whiz. <laughs> Nobody beats him. <laughs> so he's this big, white, pasty guy with no definition whatsoever in black tights and a black tank top. So that is the hooded hangman, black mask, of course. So this matchup uh, for the world's most scientific wrestler didn't get a whole lot of that out of Wilbur Snyder here. <laughs> no, I was going to say, at one point, he tries to rip his mask off. Uh, is that uh, is that scientific? No. And lots of punches, too, by the world's most scientific wrestler. Uh, there is a full Nelson, though, in this match by the Hangman that was reversed by Mr. Snyder. And then Snyder hit a drop kick to Hangman that sent him over the top rope. And that brings the first pop that I can think of for this entire show. You know, Mike, watching this, I was actually getting, I was actually getting a little, uh, you know, a little, a little angry because I can tell you right now, without reservation, Wilbur, uh, you know, Wilbur here is one of those fucking guys who was like, back in my day, we just got in there and we worked and we didn't call stuff in the back and blah blah blah, and that's why stuff like this was complete and utter dog shit. So you're saying that uh, walking and talking out there. Not all it's cracked up to be. Well, this is just this. These matches, you know, this one even especially like this. This isn't even like good pro wrestling. This isn't even like you know walking and talking. This is just lazy. Like I don't know. It's awful. They must have restarted this match fifty-seven times. Break and lock up. Break and lock up. Break and lock up. It's just garbage. Absolute and utter trash. Like I think even by nineteen eighty-two <laughs> standards, this is bad. Yeah, when you're locking up like six minutes into the match, it's it just takes you right back to square one. You're starting over again, literally. I mean, there's no there's no psychology. There's no action. There's no intrigue. There's like if you're a fan trying to watch this, like I'm amazed that anybody in this area watching stuff like this was even a fan of pro wrestling. Like, how do you watch this and not turn it off unless you're forced to watch it? Like you forced me to watch this trash. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what else is out there, Brian. This was what wrestling was, and this is what people understood wrestling to be. So they, well, you would think they enjoyed it. Doesn't sound like this crowd really enjoyed it, but <laughs> well, what was there to enjoy? I don't, I don't know. Let's talk about the finish here of the match. Uh, the hooded hangman was on the apron, and Snyder pulls him up from the inside of the ring, punches him down. Comes back up again. He tries to give him a snap mare or a flying mare, according to Sam Meneker, 
to bring Hangman back into the ring, but Hangman holds on, grabs Snyder in a chokehold from the apron, and the ref counts to break the hold, counts to five. Hangman does not break. Snyder wins the match by disqualification. Uh, another non-finish. I thought that was only like a late 90s WCW problem. No, it's uh, <laughs> prevalent even back in 1982, Brian, as Nobody we will see. Nobody wants to do the job. <laughs> No, so uh, Sam Medicare says the feature match of the day coming up after this. But first, we go back to the locker room where Mr. Medicare not only still calls him Abdullah, but he says the Patriot. Huh? How else would you pronounce it? The Patriot. He calls him the Patriot. I like I like the Patriot better. It sounds a little more classy. <laughs> Sam is backstage now with the world's most dangerous wrestler, Dick the Bruiser. Dick says that he and Pat O'Connor beat Harley Race and Terry Funk in tag team action before, and they are two former world heavy championship wrestlers. (laughs) Hey, you think Dick the Bruiser uh, smoked a cigarette or two in his day? (laughs) No, he's more of a uh, cigar kind of guy, Brian. (laughs) Well, yeah, some sort of tobacco product. I know the Beer City Bruiser has borrowed heavily from Dick the Bruiser coming out with the cigar himself. Indeed. So the main event of the show, the featured match, is Dick the Bruiser versus Nick Bockwinkle, who I'm sure many people know as a perennial AWA World Heavyweight Champion, but it's Bockwinkle and Bruiser here in the main event on WWA All-Star Championship Wrestling. And they do this weird thing as they announce the wrestlers they go to a still picture of each one. Did you notice this? He says, Nick Bockwinkle. And like the, the graphic comes up and it's just Nick's face, like just a still of his face. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Anyway. Well, like, I guess. Maybe they were trying to be like, you know, cutting edge in this day and age. Yeah, it was different. I didn't mind it. They say a one hour time limit for this match. Sam says, we'll bring you as much of this as we can. If it ends early, we have a standby match or interviews to fill up the rest of the time, which is a nice touch, I think. They, you know, they talk about how oh, it's a one-hour time limit, but there's only like 10 minutes left in this show. TV time remaining, Mike. TV time remaining. So no Bobby Heenan with Nick Bockwinkle. And this was, as I mentioned before, Bobby Heenan's home promotion where he started. Uh, he was in AWA at this time, and he actually had a falling out with Dick the Bruiser over money for his participation in an event at the Market Square Arena, and he said he was never going to go back to Dick the Bruiser in the uh, WWA, and I guess he never did, and I know Heenan always, up to his death, would talk uh, poorly about Dick the Bruiser and his experience there with the WWA. Well, that's that's too bad. I hadn't heard anything about that, but uh, you know, based on the quality of the shows here, uh, you kind of can see why. So, would you call this the best match of the show? Uh, yeah, by, I mean, I think by a landslide. <laughs> but still, it's not anything to write home about, I would think. No, I think it was at least entertaining, though. I mean, I think uh, at least it was entertaining to watch at points, I thought. It wasn't just, uh, you know, sitting on the mat and, and clubbing forearms. The crowd was a little more with it, too. I mean, Dick the Bruiser is the biggest baby face in WWE, so they were a little more alive for him than the rest of the guys in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, obvi- this is like a different... Uh, I don't know if this was like a bigger show or something that they that they ran, but a, a completely different venue altogether um, than the rest of the episode is filmed at. 
Yes, and there was a different referee too that wasn't identified until later More on. White as, pants. Yes, a, a, a bald referee with white pants called Bob Waco. He was the referee for this contest. So Nick Bockwinkle, at one point, Dick the Bruiser goes to get um, like an arm bar, and Nick Bockwinkle hit some very weak punches to the kidneys, which allowed him to cut this modified chin lock. But that was like a glaring to me the the little rabbit punches he's trying to hit in the kidney of dick the brewers just looked absolutely terrible yeah i mean just in general i think all, everything was you know and, i mean there's not a lot of crisp action from any standpoint whether it's strikes or just actual wrestling but like i said i think there, the entertainment value was there on this one and obviously to the to even to their local audience these are much more well-established and well-known guys yeah, and Dick the Bruiser basically was battling back the entire match. He was on the bottom. Bockwinkle was working him over. Uh, you know, Bruiser would get quick comebacks, but uh, Bockwinkle would end up back on top. A body scissors at one point by Nick Bockwinkle, and he goes to roll him up. You know, you got the guy in the body scissors, and you and you turn him over so his shoulders are down, and the referee doesn't understand that it's a pinning predicament. So the second time they do it, they finally tell the ref, get down and count, and he gets down for like a dainty one and a half count, and that's about it. This referee uh, is all over the place, as we'll see a little later on. Dick punches his way out of the body scissors. The fans come alive as much as these fans can come alive. And uh, then a Tree of Woe by Nick Bockwick, which I thought was a little uh, advanced for the year 1982. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. Maybe the first Tree of Woe ever, Mike? Uh, let's say that, yes. Sure. It's All the right. first ever Tree of Woe, 1982, WWA. So Nick Bockwinkle laying in the knees and stomps, lots of punishment to Dick the Bruiser, and he collapses to the mat, but starts to come up and comes back with punches, punches, punches. So he battles back and floors Nick, floors Nick Bockwinkle, goes for the cover, but pulls him up at two. Big mistake. Oh, you know, Dick the Bruiser completely wrestled like a heel the entire time. Yes, and the fans uh, seem to enjoy a lot of clubbering from Dick the Bruiser, some heel tactics. As you mentioned, he like uh, rakes his face with his boot, pulls the hair, and probably the best-looking moves of the match was when he grabbed Nick by the hair and ripped him backwards into the corner by the hair. Did it a few times, which was, again, I think it was actually ended up being like a nice setup for the finish. Yes, and that finish is he goes to do that move again, but the ref ends up in the corner kind of quite suddenly because he is told to get over in the corner for the spot. So he runs over to the corner and <laughs> very subtle. And yes. And Dick uh, flings Bockwinkle backwards into the corner and the two collide. So the referee goes to the mat. Bob Waco, the official, calls for the bell and disqualifies Dick the Bruiser. What do you think about this disqualification call? Um, I think like much like the rest of the show was really stupid and garbage and it was just done so nobody had a job yeah that's basically it i mean and the referee it's his own fault he just wandered over there there's no reason for him to be back there uh, of course sam tries to explain it away saying that uh you know the referee was getting in position like no he's completely out of position he's in the corner there's nothing going on over there and he's in the corner he gets collided with and just a random disqualification. I don't like it one bit. This referee stinks. <laughs> He's not wrong. I'm not wrong. Thank you. 
So this show ends very abruptly with credits for the commentator, Sam Menneker, and the director of the show. And that's it. We got some music yeah, I was, and uh, yeah, I was some graphics. I was kind of waiting for like something else to happen, but uh, no, it was very, very abrupt ending. Yeah, I don't even think they signed off officially. I, not that I recall. This was this this was fucking awful. <laughs> this was so I was like angry watching this. Like I'm waiting for like usually I feel like you have like a a reason for some of the episodes you've picked. I can't figure it out. This was the most boring, just dreadful. I I think this is by far the worst one we've watched so far. There was another one that I was thinking about picking with Andre the Giant in the main event. But I really wanted to make sure that I had Dick the Bruiser on the show. Dick the Bruiser wasn't on that first show that I was looking at. So I really wanted to have Dick the Bruiser because he is the face of that promotion. So I want to make sure he was on the show. So that's why I went with this one. It's also got Woodward Snyder on the show and a bunch of other guys. And uh, so that's why I went with this show. And maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was rough. It was rough to watch. I mean, the, the wrestling is... I mean, not not a ton of wrestling from this era holds up, but this is just to me the epitome of like. I, I feel like these are all like you know just old veteran guys mailing it in, and stealing money. You know, that's what it kind of felt like. Well, what would you give this show as a grade? You say it's the worst one we watched so far. How would you grade WWA from Indianapolis? This is an F. This is an F all the way. Nothing for Sam Menneker looking like uh, Morty Seinfeld. <laughs> can't bump it up to d minus no absolutely this is the f all the way around this is this is bad just boring and just nothing happening like no, i mean no good promos no good action i mean just there's there's nothing redeemable about this yeah i was really excited too they had the local promos because a, lo- a couple of these ones that we've watched there were no local promos inserted so it was kind of straight matches but yeah really added nothing and uh brian i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you should be. This was uh yes, yeah, is an F all the way for WWA from Indianapolis, Indiana. So let's truck for, for right the hell on out of Indiana and uh we'll see you next month for more trucking for, for, through the territories. You you better come with something a little bit better next month, buddy. Good god. All right, well, we'll see what we got next month. We want to hear from you guys. Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter your thoughts on this week's episode, the WWA, where you want us to go next for trucking through the territories. Use the hashtag WPAN, or you can call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And Brian, we do have a voicemail, so let's take a listen to that right now. Hey, Crockett. Hey, Malona. Since I hadn't been invited back on the WPAN in quite some time, not sure what I did, but I heard Malonis ask me a question last week about the Montreal screw job. And no, actually, I don't think it was a work. I think Brett and Sean just worked themselves up into a lather and a shoot and whatnot. And I think it was just perfect place, perfect time. And uh, no, it wasn't a work. And it's actually the one thing I believe Bruce Pritchett about that the screw job wasn't a work. The filming of the documentary, none of that was a work. It just, it was all on the up and up. And that is what it is. And, um, Malonis, don't be so hard on Brett. I mean, you know, it's all ego driven. Him and Sean just didn't get along. And, uh, uh, when you say Brett should just drop the belt, eh, 
Yeah, I don't know if it's quite that simple sometimes, especially Sean with Sean being such an asshole if you believe all those reports. Anyway, uh, not that I want to be on your bad side, Malonis, because I do agree on one thing from last week's episode, and that was the fact that I love how Mike Crockett tried to use him being late to a recent event that you held uh, in which he was going to be uh, doing some refereeing and quitting his hiatus for at least one night. I do like how Mike Crockett tried to say, well, you know, maybe now you can relate to me being late. Well, um, Crockett, uh, slow your jets, pal. Malonis was flying halfway across country, basically, and there's a little bit of extenuating circumstances that would delay his flight and whatnot and him getting somewhere on time. You were just using every excuse under the sun as you were 30 minutes away and still couldn't make it on time. So uh, leave the big guy alone and leave uh, Malonis alone there. So anyway... Just wanted to check in. Thanks for nothing. All right. So Mike Mills, uh, actually, he left his voicemail last week. So he's talking about the episode two weeks ago where we were talking about uh, best wrestling documentaries. So uh, how do you feel about what Mike Mills was saying there about the Montreal Screwjob? Yeah, I mean, he's, I don't know. I, I guess it's, I, I, I don't believe it's a work either, but uh, I, I couldn't disagree more with when it comes to Bret Hart. I think it's really just as simple as, wrestling's your job you're under contract that's your employer you were told to lose the championship do your job and do as you're told and it's not real it's that that would be like uh you know i don't really watch game of thrones but that'd be like you know the person who didn't become the king at the end saying no this doesn't make any sense i'm not doing this scene that way how fucking stupid is that like you know that'd be like uh you know like the guy who played darth vader saying you know i I really don't think this makes much sense here for Luke to kill me, you know? Like, I, it doesn't make sense for Luke to win. I mean, I got to be strong, uh, you know? <laughs> it just, it's stupid. It's, it's a show. It's a television show written by writers. Do your job. You were scripted to lose uh, a fake championship. Just lose it. It's a, I'm sorry. That It's as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. Do your job. Do as you're told. Well, Brett has reiterated just recently about this. He was willing to lose anywhere and everywhere. But it was the fact that Shawn Michaels told him that he would not return the favor. He would not lose to him. He he would refuse. If the situation was reversed, he would refuse to lose to Bret Hart. And it was just like a thing like, uh, I'm not going to do a job for this guy who doesn't respect me. That's what it came down to. So you're you're accepting of that. So someday Maxwell comes home and... Because somebody else did something, he did it. So you're you're gonna let him. You're gonna give him a pass on that, then, right? Yeah, of course. All right. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're consistent with it, that's all I really care about. And when uh, when Max was late to something too, I will be very accepting of that and understanding. Well, that's just because that's because that's just who you are now. You're <laughs> you're the late you're the late guy all the time. Well, I mean, I, you understand that now, Brian, because you had uh, uh, some flight delays and uh, you were very late. <laughs> yeah again something that's uh not my fault completely out of my control at least you got the the kid as an excuse now even though the late stuff was happening before you even had the kid <laughs> i just feel uh, bad that this little fella gets blamed for all your uh all your lateness now he doesn't get blamed that is not that is not true <laughs>
Well, thank you, for Mike Mills, for uh, calling the voicemail line. We will have you back on the WPAN very soon. Uh, it has been quite a while, but we will get you back on. We love having you on and uh, really appreciate your support, as always, even though you uh, like to motherfuck me at every pass. but uh, he's, uh, he's lying, Mike. Before we started recording, he was saying, we're never having that prick on again. Keep that to yourself, Brian. Uh, <laughs> no, peeling back the curtain. We're the curtain jerkers of professional wrestling podcast. We still are, huh? Yeah, of course. I mean, the t-shirt's selling well. <laughs> it is. All right, get your voice on the podcast, folks. Call 401-584-9726. Leave your voicemail right now. Ask us a question. Bury us. Do whatever the hell you want. 401-584-WPAN. Brian, do we want to talk about Double or Nothing? Sure. I watched it. Did you? You saw it? I I did not see the show. Of course you didn't. So what did you think overall of uh, AEW's debut event? I thought it was good. It was it was a good, entertaining show. Good stuff. Oh, I have to add all the insight because you didn't watch it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No, it was for first time out, and you know, it's it's a hell of a building block. And you know, I know I'm with I'm with Ring of Honor, um, but I, I don't think there's a, a wrestler in the industry who's not looking at those guys and saying, yeah, I hope they hope they're really successful because. The more really good places there are to work and wrestle, the better it's going to be for the industry as a whole and better it's going to be for all the guys in it, guys and gals in it. And, of course, everyone's talking about the big debut on the show. Uh, of course, Luchasaurus. Yes. Made, <laughs> yes that's what everybody's his, talking about. Made his debut on the show. Uh, sad, the your buddy Austin from Big Brother not sticking around ring of honor ends up signing a deal with aew so he had a big spot where there with uh, joey janela that i saw online but uh luchasaurus is all elite brian yeah that's uh, nobody else debuted there so it was, that's what everybody is uh that's what everybody was talking about luchasaurus <laughs> well the other guy i guess uh, you're probably referring to john moxley is that who you're referring to uh i'm I'm not quite sure who that is. He, is that, 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 that's that new guy that jumped in at the end, right? Yeah, the new guy who, yeah, he came in from the crowd. <laughs> and uh, the former Dean Ambrose, of course. Uh, he actually appeared this past week on Chris Jericho's podcast. you get a chance to listen to that yet? I have not. I heard uh, kind of sets the world on fire, though, huh? Yeah, he uh, kind of takes WWE to task about uh, the creative. Uh, very interesting listen. John Moxley on Chris Jericho's Talk is Jericho podcast uh, last Wednesday on uh, Westwood One. So really, you should check out Talk is Jericho. Really uh, respect the curtain. He's a curtain jerker himself, that John Moxley. But uh, no, he's going to be a main events. But uh, in terms of what he talks about with the backstage stuff, he's a curtain jerker. He pulls back the curtain on uh, what's going on with the WWE and uh, really calls, in specific, Vince McMahon to task about uh, fixing the creative because uh, he says it's broken. I think for you know AEW, obviously Dean Ambrose uh, slash John Moxley is a big that's a big get for any wrestling company. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was a legitimate main eventer in the top company, um, you know, the or the most popular company in the world. So good for them. And and like I said, the um, I, I can't imagine that there is a single person in the wrestling industry that is. Uh, or at least, at least, as when you're talking about you know the actual wrestlers, that's rooting for them to fail. Uh, I think everybody's rooting for them to succeed, and uh, there's plenty of room for for lots of different wrestling. So good luck to them, and you know I, th- I think the however strong they are, just will add to the overall strength of the pro wrestling industry. Yeah, it's getting very interesting and very exciting. 
who knows what come up, especially after they debut, I guess, in October on TNT. So that's going to be it's going to be very interesting. This is going to be a, a very cool year for pro wrestling. Indeed, Michael. Indeed. And something else that's very cool is the aforementioned Mike Mills and his podcast, Booking the Territory. He does two podcasts a week on Sundays. It's the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursday is their flagship show where they're talking about the old Saturday Night 605 World Championship Wrestling Show. MikeMills.Podbean.com for more on that excellent podcast called Booking the Territory. It's the unprofessional wrestling podcast. And one that's a little more classy we should talk about is Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast with little Joe Murata and big Michael Quinn. They're in their new season, their brand new season, where they're talking about the best and worst intercontinental champions. Brian, who's your top intercontinental champion in history? Got to be the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Hockey Talk Man. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I mean, in my truthful answer, um, I, I think I think the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Ultimate Warrior? No? No, no. I think Macho Man. You're still uh, harboring resentment towards what he did to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I've never been an Ultimate Warrior guy, not even before the Ultimate Challenge, Michael. SummerSlam 88, where he came out and beat Honky Tonk Man, was super exciting. Uh, I remember that was the first pay-per-view I actually watched as it was happening on pay-per-view. So that was uh, uh, very exciting for me. Well, I'm very happy for you. But I still wouldn't name him one of the top Intercontinental Champions. But we'll see what happens on <laughs> our Vintage Point. Go to OVPPodcast.com for more information on that excellent, excellent podcast. Another big podcast buddy of ours is PW, Peter Winson, and he hosts Greetings from Allentown. It's just him, and he's talking about one single episode of wrestling television each and every week, and he talks about just about everything. Uh, and sometimes including the show at hand. But in the end, he brings it all back to pro wrestling. Greetings from Allentown is on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling Only feed on Place to Be Nation. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Sal, Troy, all the rest over there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. There's basically a show every day. So check out rundownwrestling.com for all the information you need and enjoy. Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways, byways, and airways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. That's right, Mike. So uh, not a return to action, but an appearance uh, on the, coming up this weekend on Saturday, June 8th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I'll be at the New England Fan Fest 7, uh, signing autographs, meeting fans, all my merchandise will be on sale. Uh, you Wait, know. will the Kurt Jugger shirt be there? Uh, no, no, just, uh, the new Brawler Malonis, uh, updated logo t-shirt, very limited quantity of those and Mega Malonis t-shirt and, uh, maybe perhaps some new eight by tens, Mike. We'll have to see about that, I guess. <laughs> uh, so come out and meet me and, and lots of other stars. I mean, talk, you're talking Eric Bischoff, Demolition, the aforementioned Honky Tonk Man, uh, Greg Valentine, Paul Roma. How about that? Paul Romeo Roma? Mario Mancini. Is going to be there, Mike. <laughs> wow. Bill Apter, you know. Uh, so. Don't call him the Aftermags while you're in his presence. 
Exactly. Hardcore Holly, so many more. Uh, come out and meet all the stars and legends of pro wrestling that are going to be in Warwick, Rhode Island at the Crown Plaza Hotel. AllAccessEntertainment.com for full ticket information. I believe it's $20 general admission gets you in. And then uh, much like one of these like Comic-Con fan fest things, you, know, you, you pay separate admission to uh, meet all the different stars you want to meet. But uh, looking forward to that and, and meeting uh, lots of great fans. Then I will return to action on Friday night, June the 14th in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's the Chaotic Countdown. I won this two years ago, Mike, looking to become a two-time winner uh, of the Chaotic Countdown. Uh, then June the 28th, Friday night, Ring of Honors, Best in the World pay-per-view, Baltimore, Maryland. And then the very next night in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, it's Ring of Honors International TV taping at the 2300 Arena. So a Ring of Honor weekend, 28th, Baltimore, live on pay-per-view and on Honor Club. And then the 29th, uh, TV taping uh, in Philadelphia. Then Will Mike, you finally I'm- make your pay-per-view debut that is the question um i i don't think so buddy oh. i don't think so but it's oh. uh it's coming it's coming i have uh i have faith that in the calendar year of of this year uh you'll see the uh, the old brawler on uh, i almost call myself the kingpin uh, the old brawler on pay-per-view well here's hoping and then can you believe it, Mike? We're into July. Um, I can't mention the company or the place yet, but on July 12th, I'll be hitting my uh, new state, my 25th state. So stay tuned on more information for that. And then on July the 13th, Saturday night, I'll be returning to Milwaukee for some Bruce City Wrestling. All right. Uh, excited to return out there. And then, Mike, do want to get these. Uh, I know I know it's a little bit out here, but I do want to mention uh, that in July, July the 20th, uh, Ring of Honor returns to New York. City at the Manhattan Center uh, at the Hammerstein Ballroom for a international TV taping. And then something I'm always very excited for, July the 21st, Ring of Honor returns to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. That's right. The bouncers are coming to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Uh, no doubt we'll have a, a big match for that one. And uh, I want to see uh, all our listeners out there. Maybe we can do something special, Mike, if we get enough uh, enough of a contingent out there. July 21st. Everyone that's uh, listening right there, get your ass to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, and uh, yeah, we'll hang out. Will you, will you be getting your ass to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium? That's, that's the real question. Man, it used to be around the block, huh? It's not anymore. <laughs> oh, what is it, 20 minutes up the road now? Uh, no, it's at least like 30. Oh, maybe. boy. <laughs> get your ass there. Come support your friends for once. Be a decent human being for the first time in your life. That sounds like something I might do. <laughs> Bring Max. It'll be his first wrestling show. That, that's something I probably won't do. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sure a child that age would be fucking absolutely terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. All right. If you want to book the brawler and terrify your kids, email Brian Malotis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malotis. This week's promo about nothing is from the year 1990. And it seems like we're here all the time, Brian, but it is back to Memphis. The United States Wrestling Association, Memphis, Tennessee, the USWA. And this is one that you brought to my attention, Brian. This is the the one I sent you the other day. You're actually going to take a suggestion of mine? Yes, yes. Can you believe it? very (laughs) exciting. So this is the unified champion of the USWA, the Snowman. Let's take a listen to Snowman. In this week's promo about nothing. That's like I wanted. I can't believe it. Jerry Lawler, ex-king, because you're looking at the African-American king. Let me tell you something, Jerry Lawler, 
I can't believe it. Uh, two out of three match. I can't believe that's what you really want. You're stupid than I thought you were. You know, I thought you had class. I thought you was a class act. But let me tell you something, Lala. You got to be one of the stupidest gentlemen on the face of this earth. Two out of, what, two out of three falls? Let me tell you something. I'm going to beat you two times. Why don't you just go for once? You want two out of three. That's stupid. So you're going to get beat two times. Let me tell you something. You're looking at the world's famous heavyweight champion. Let me tell you, Lawler. I'm DWC, Daddy Whipped Cream. All the young ladies out there, that's what I want them to call me. This is the heavyweight champion coming at you, Lawler. You gotta get out of town. Everywhere you go, I got you. This belt is mine and I'm never giving it up. Let me tell you something, what you wanna do? Two out of three? You can't beat me. I don't know why you wanna say that, but you're gonna get beat twice instead of one. That's it, I guess. Let me tell you, Brian, this guy uh, knows how to cut a promo, does he not? <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me you tell know, you. What, what type of match was it, Mike? I, I, I was very confused as to the type of match that uh, that they're going to be having. Well, uh, he says it's a two out of three match. <laughs> and then he says, oh, wait, what is it? A two out of three falls? He's not even quite sure himself, Brian. <laughs> There's probably a lot of things he's probably not quite sure of. He's sure that he's the unified heavyweight champion and he's the uh, African-American king. I mean, can you argue that? Is there is do you, do you have a valid argument against that, Mike? Well, I might have a valiant argument against his other nickname. <laughs> what was that again? DWC. DWC? Daddy Whip Cream. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say no, it. I didn't no, want to no, say no. it. I wanted you to say it. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what he wants the ladies to call. <laughs> but he says, Lawler, you, you can call me DWC. <laughs> Daddy Whip Cream. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> You mad? Is that your nickname, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got, you got. Well, you want to incorporate some food into your lovemaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're mad about Brawl Daddy, Brian. Come on. <laughs> well, at least yeah. At least I'm not DWC. <laughs> I feel like he should. I feel like uh, Daddy Whipped Cream should team with Flapjack Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love a good whipped cream on a pancake. That's nice. <laughs> it is. It's lovely. Yeah, you could IHOP. They really do it up for you. I like that. <laughs> there we go. I think we found the next great tag team. So, so the snowman, his story is an interesting one because he was the successor to the junkyard dog in New Orleans. I'm sure Mike Mills is very familiar with the Sandman. After the junkyard dog who was the most over guy in the history of New Orleans for Bill Watts uh, Mid-South Wrestling left. After he went up north to the WWF, Bill Watts was trying to find the next African-American superstar, and he brought in the snowman. And as you can tell, uh, didn't quite have the charisma, didn't quite have the gift of gab as uh, the one and only junkyard dog did. So Snowman was not long for Mid-South. He ended up here at some point in uh, the USWA. This is 1990 at this point. And an interesting thing he says in the promo is he says, this belt is mine and I'm never giving it up. That was a shoot, brother, because <laughs> Snowman left the USWA with the Unified Championship, never to return and never to return the belt. Well, he told you. I mean, he called his shot. He said, I'm never giving it up. They really should have uh, listened. He's like Rick Astley. 
<laughs> He's never going to let me down either. Um, so, yes, uh, weeks after this on USWA TV, the matchmaker there, Eddie Marlin, I believe is his name, came on TV and said that the snowman pawned the belt to a drug dealer. Okay. That's what he said on TV. Uh, as it turns out, that is not the case. And I think the belt is now in the hands of a collector. But Daddy Whipped Cream left the USWA <laughs> and took the Unified Championship with him. So a sad end to the snowman's reign here in uh, Memphis. Took all the whipped cream with him. He took it all. <laughs> and that wasn't too sweet. Very very nice, Michael. Very nice. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, Brian, that's it for us this week. We'll be back here next Monday for episode 163 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he's the brawler, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.